This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Can we just say this for a moment? It's good to be in North Dakota. I had some incredible conversations we're going to share with you today. One with North Dakota Commerce Commissioner James Lehman, also uh, Senator John Hoven. And the things that are happening here in our great state are absolutely amazing. Governor Bergen made a huge announcement today about hydrogen, natural gas. We talked about that with Senator Hoven, um, but also just with the soybean crushing plan and all the amazing things that we've been sharing with you as of late. Let's just say it's good to be North Dakota. Look, we love you in Montana. We love you in Minnesota. There's just so many exciting things happening right now in the great state of North Dakota. So stay with us. My conversation with the North Dakota Commerce Commissioner James Layman's coming up. Actually, we talk about the fact that on next Tuesday, June 8th, there is a Midwest Energy Summit happening in Moorhead, thanks to the Fargo Moorhead West Fargo Chamber. Incredible lineup there. So you hear more about that coming up in the next segment. We start tonight, though, with uh, just some of my conversation with Senator John Hoven. There's a lot to it. So if you want to see it in its entirety, just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV now. Here's some of my conversation with Senator John Hoven. I'm sure you've been talking with Governor Bergham about now this new big news regarding hydrogen energy and natural gas. I mean, it just seems like we continue to position North Dakota as as the state to be in the nation. So what, what does this new announcement need, mean for North Dakota, its economy and Everything else going on here? Well, this is a Bakken Energy, and it's a group that's been working on a project for some time. And now they're uh, talking to uh, Basin about uh, uh, getting together on a project that would produce uh, what's called blue hydrogen, which is essentially hydrogen from natural gas. And so, you know, it's just part of this whole evolution that we're working on to make sure that we're producing energy from all sources, from coal, from uh, from natural gas, from oil, from, you know, the biofuels, renewable, all of it uh, with the latest, greatest technology. And uh, so that we have uh, the best environmental stewardship, I, I call it cracking the code. We, we are going to crack the code on carbon capture. Uh, we're way ahead. Uh, we started this back in 2008 when I was governor. We're one of only two states in the country that has uh, EPA approval to actually put CO2 down hole, sequester it. And so, uh, you know, that's what we're all about is continuing to be an energy powerhouse for this nation and lead the way forward. So with that being said, you know, Governor Bergen has made the announcement about, hey, we want to be carbon neutral as a state by 2030. One, I'm assuming you support that. But at the same point in time, many people talk about, okay, is this going to be too much regulation to maybe even hinder innovation or is it really the reverse? What say you? Well, I put it in terms of we need to lead the way forward with the new technologies that will enable us to do carbon capture and storage so that we can produce um, uh, low cost, dependable energy from all these different fuel sources. And uh, that's not only energy security for our country and national security for our country. It's incredible jobs here in North Dakota. So what I want to keep doing is working with our great energy industry, and we have the most advantaged, advanced energy industry anywhere, to deploy these technologies. I always look at it in terms of how we empower and help uh, through the right approach our industries do these things. And so that I look at it uh, from that standpoint. Let's talk about what you're going to be doing tomorrow. You're going to be at Spiritwood at this new ADM soybean crushing plant. Again, let's talk about the impact that that's going to have on our farmers, our economy, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the, the oil then isn't going to go to the refinery 
in Dickinson, which is then going to transport it to California, correct? That is exactly right. You know your stuff, man. Um, but it brings together our two dominant industries, agriculture and energy. We're a powerhouse in both. We're very diversified in energy. We're very, we're, we lead the way in precision ag. So it, it just makes sense. And essentially, as you know, we announced a $350 million project, ADM going into, and we've been working on this for two years, because you remember Cargo, two years announced they were going. And so we went to work and we met with ADM more than two years ago. But this this is a win in so many different ways. Uh, so we'll be out there yesterday working on it and talking about it. But first, you've got our farmers who uh, can provide their soybeans. And, and Cass County is the largest soybean uh, county in the nation, Chris, in the nation. And now instead of sending these off and having to pay transportation uh, costs, our farmers deliver them right there. That gets them a better price. At the same time, then, the plant produces not only food grade oil, but oil that will go for renewable diesel. So that fuel, that that oil, as you say, will go out to the Marathon refinery west of Dickinson, and then that'll be processed into low carbon fuel, which will actually sell at a premium places, the West Coast and, and other places. But then also remember that we, we've got, it's the uh, Spiritwood Ag Energy Park. You also have an ethanol plant in there that uses the waste steam off the power plant. So then we'll also add carbon capture there as well. So now you have transportation fuel. So our corn farmers are sp supplying corn to that ethanol plant. You get They get a carbon capture credit for sequestering the CO2. And we pull the CO2 off that ethanol plant. And remember, we have a project, we have a project going right now uh, where we could have the ethanol plants from uh, Iowa, South Dakota, Minnesota, all bringing their CO2 up here because we can put it down whole they can't and that and and we pay landowners for that so that's a big wow. benefit too i mean you know if we have the geology to do it so if we come out to your place and you're going to put co2 down just like you, a saltwater disposal well you get paid for that so that's another revenue source for our landowners for our farmers and ranchers oh and by the way our state has also like 150 icbms just want to throw <laughs> it <in there. laughs> I, mean, I guess what you know i hear you rattle all these amazing things off senator if you can translate that to what does that mean to the person watching right now I and mean, what does that mean to their dinner table their livelihood their incomes what what do you say in the last census we're one of the fastest five fastest growing states in the country and the reason we're growing it, it's not because of our beaches you know it's, <laughs> you know it's because of good jobs and opportunity. That's why we're one of the fastest, and we're one of the youngest states in the country, and we have one of the highest per capita incomes. And it's about creating these good paying jobs of the future. And, and that's why it's so important is because that's what makes North Dakota, creates that opportunity. And we all know North Dakota is a great place to live. Um, I wanna get into some of these current cyber attacks in a moment, but first you talk about uh, obviously the benefits of this to North Dakota. I want to get your take on this because energy independence is so important. President Biden now sounds like he's going to shut down the Anwar drilling, which would have helped some of the uh, Native American population up in that arena. And yet, I think you could make an argument, hey, if there's less Anwar oil, that might be better for the price of oil, which is better for North Dakota. So wh where are you at with that situation? And why, if we can take one step further, why does President Biden continue to help Putin and Russia by increasing oil prices and helping their economy? Well, that's exactly right. Remember, we produce the light sweet crude. And so our, our oil goes to those refineries that don't have what are called heavy crackers or the equipment to process that heavy oil. 
So if we don't get heavy oil from places like Alaska and some of the other places, that Canada, for example, then that's displaced by Russia. That makes zero sense, no sense whatsoever. And furthermore, that Alaskan pipeline, if they don't keep a certain amount of oil in the pipeline, that puts the pipeline at risk because you have to have a certain amount of flow in the pipeline, you know, for it to operate. Not to mention then the impact in terms of jobs and opportunity up in Alaska, one of our fellow states. I mean, come on. And furthermore, we have the best environmental procedures. And so you actually hurt the environment because it's displaced by oil from places like Russia or Venezuela or some other place that has really poor environmental standards. So it, it makes no sense. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, that um, we can get some of these moratoriums that the interiors put in place. As you know, they have that on federal lands now as well. We just need to reverse those, get back to business. And remember, at the end of the day, it is about producing more energy with the latest, greatest technology that gives us the best environmental stewardship. That's actually uh, a win-win. Um, since you brought up the land piece, Senator, I don't want to get come too far left field, but there's this plan within Governor, or excuse me, President Biden's uh, executive order a while back about this 30-30 plan to have the yeah. government take over. Are you familiar with this, sir? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. help us understand what in the world is going on here and sort of explain it and what does it mean for a North Dakota farmer, a landowner? Yeah, he wants 30% of the land in conservation type uh, programs and so forth by uh, 2030. And you know, again, I, it's it's good to have good conservation, but our farmers and ranchers are the best conservationists in the world. I mean, who cares more about the land than our farmers and ranchers who own it? And so that's the concern with setting that type of target type of goal. You know, you start to push government on top of landowners and, and you know, the Biden administration says, oh, it'll all be voluntary. Well, we'll see. And so that's the concern there. I, it's fine to have farmer friendly and rancher friendly conservation programs that work for the farmer or the rancher on a voluntary basis. But boy, when you start setting goals like that, then to achieve them, you start putting requirements in place. That's That becomes a real concern because we've got to respect and protect our property owners. That That is fundamental to America. I mean, that goes back to our founding. That's just a fundamental principle. Speaking of our farmer and ranchers, sir, we're going to get into the cyber attack on JBS in a moment. But I guess I want to get your take on the drought out west. How severe is it? How concerned are you about it? It's really severe. Uh, it's our whole state essentially now is seeing either abnormally dry or drought. And it's 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 a very serious drought right now. So I'm, I had a meeting with farmers from around the state yesterday. Uh, I'm going to get somebody from RMA, which is the crop insurance people out here, uh, you know, soon. Uh, because this is, you know, it, it's a drought year. I've, I've seen these before, so have you, uh, more, us from the West more so than in the Valley. But, um, yeah, it's a real concern, and we're going to have to be working with our, and already our, our ranchers, you know, they're, they're short of grass and hay. So, yeah, we got to be working with them right now. So ranchers are it's a, shame, it's a shame because we've, we've worked so hard to keep them in the game the last three years. As you know, we've talked about it a lot. Now you got some better prices because China's been buying a lot of crop through those trade agreements. And here we, you know, we have this drought. So you really feel for them. And yeah, we got we got to help them out. So ranchers trouble getting hay to obviously feed their cattle. Then you see the situation with the hack on the Colonial Pipeline and now JPS have shut down some of their plants. I guess what, let's go bigger picture first and we'll get into some of the yeah. localized pieces of it. But based on the intel that you've seen or know, is it Russia? What's the, the big picture strategy? Are they trying to push buttons to see where there's some weaknesses in American infrastructure? What, what's the game plan here? 
Yeah, and I think test this administration. I mean, uh, President Biden and and uh, President Putin are going to be meeting here, and and it appears to me that you know they're they're doing some, uh, you know, as you say, putting some pressure on the Biden administration prior to that um, summit or meeting that they're going to have, and and we have to find ways to push back and push back in a way where we get Russia and these other bad actors, whether it's Iran or or even with China, or you name it. We we have to make sure that our we push back on our adversaries when these kind of things happen so that they don't do it. So are you suggesting that you know and or believe that it is Russia that did both these cyber attacks on JBS and Colonial? JBS is too soon to know. Um, some of the briefings uh, that we've gotten in regard to um, the other hacks, I have to be careful so that, you know, some is confidential. And But in general, we know that our adversaries like Russia, although they you know, tend to use these third party actors in doing these things, um, you know, uh, are involved. So, I, again, I, I'd have to check on the on the confidentiality of specifically on the colonial. But, so, in, in, but I'm telling you, in general, we know our adversaries like Russia are creating this kind of, uh, you know, solar winds. That's obviously public. They were behind that. And so, uh, yeah, we know our adversaries are pushing on the Biden, Biden administration. So let me ask it this way. Recently, Newt Gingrich was on a show and he suggested, hey, if we discover that the colonial cyber attack was a state actor, which it sounds like you're suggesting it is, we should consider that an act of war and respond in kind. One, do you agree with that? And then what, what should the response be? Well, as I just said, I think we have to push back on our adversaries when we know, you know, they're, um, you know, involved in any of these kind of things. What I'm trying to be careful of is sometimes they use third party groups and uh, uh, surrogates, if you will. But I think once we clearly delineate what's going on, yeah, you bet we have to push back, of course. So do you consider this an act of war as Newt Gingrich suggested? I wanna be careful about using that term, you know, as, uh, as a Senator. Uh, obviously, we would approach, you know, using the, the term uh, an act of war very carefully. Senator Hovind, as always, thank you so much for your time and your insight there. Again, if you want to see that conversation in its entirety, which I would encourage you to do because it was fantastic, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV now. All right, stay with us when we come back. North Dakota Commerce Commissioner James Layman is going to join us. Great insight about what's happening in our great state. And much, much more. As always, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.